Hey, what's going on, people? Uh, it's Jay Good at StraightOutToDen.com. I know it's been a minute since we've actually uh, been on the podcast. Well, actually, um, a little over a week. Uh, I'll let you know what's going on. I've been testing days again, uh, just trying to see uh, what which days work best. Um, so I, I dropped the podcast on Mondays uh, for a couple of weeks, and the reception was pretty good. Um, and now I'm going to test it again and see how it does on Thursday. So uh, I apologize for the inconsistency. Uh, you still get a podcast every week, but uh, I just wanted to switch it up and, and see what was going on. So that's to answer all the questions that I've been getting, like, hey, what's up with Thursday? So maybe that's a trigger sign that I should stick with Thursdays, but I'm just doing some number crunching and trying to get a good idea of what we need to do here. Um want to let you guys know that today's podcast is brought to you by the good folks over at Lander. Based in Montreal, Canada, Lander is the world's first intelligent drag-and-drop instant mastering service by Mixed Genius. So uh, just for being a listener to today's podcast, you're going to get a free trial. All you got to do is go to Lander.com. That's L-A-N-D-R.com slash promo slash, uh, excuse me, slash promo slash S-O-D-D. Uh, you go there, you're going to get a free trial, uh, two uncompressed waves of your uh, master. So uh, check it out. Let them know that Straight Out the Den sent you. That's what's super important. And uh, thank you for being a part of the team that way. Uh, today's podcast is also brought to you by the good folks over at Raps and Hustles. Uh, you know what to do. Go to rapsandhustles.com right now. Uh, they are offering reposting services on their SoundCloud. And they are also... Um, doing video services in the tri-state area. So you just need to connect with them. Uh, the best way to do so is just by going to their website, rapsandhustles.com. Everything is spelled correctly uh, that way. So um, here's the thing, right? A couple of things. Uh, shout out to Any Creative Network. You guys have heard about the new partnership that we have with them. We're doing some exciting things um, over there, and we're happy to be a part of the network. So sh super shout out to them. Had to tell you guys right now up front, go and subscribe. I haven't really been pushing the subscribe uh, on you guys too, too much. Um, we do have a good... Uh, list of subscribers but we can always use more so please if you're on itunes if you're listening to this on itunes that's great tell a friend uh just make sure wherever you listen to this just subscribe on itunes it would do wonders uh for us uh with our future endeavors and some things that we're trying to do so um that's the first thing so uh the second thing uh that i want to tell you guys about is that i know you may have noticed a, a slight difference and we're doing a lot of interviews um, as of late. And that is intentional. Um, I, I just wanted to get get a chance to kind of roll these interviews out a little bit. We had stopped doing them for quite some time. And uh, the demand was up. People were asking, like, hey, what's up with interviews? We want we like when you talk with the people um, and, and have that dialogue. And so we're just doing some different things. And, you know, we're going to we're going to interview different people. Uh, we're going to take calls again uh, like we did uh, on our end of the year episode, which was super dope. Um, we're also um, just going to have some dialogue and just talk with you guys like we normally do. Uh, with that being said, the best way to do that, if you, if you have a question, um, if you want to be a part of the dialogue and the conversation, all you have to do is hit us up 678-872-2227. That's the best way to either leave messages um, or if, if you want to call in, you can do that. Matter of fact, right now, if you're listening to this, you can call in and leave a message right now, 678-872-2227. Here's the cool thing. You can call in and once you leave that message, we're also going to send you a message back and it's, uh, 10% off to our, uh, our straight out the den shop. We have some exclusive merch up right now at our store. We're going to give you 10% off just for being a listener uh, to the podcast. So it's very simple. All you have to do is just text or 
call and leave a message and we'll send a text message right back to you uh, to that number. As long as you're calling from a mobile number. If you call from a landline, we can't leave a text message. Just a heads up. Just want to let you guys know because I have had some uh, people call from a landline and they or, um, and they didn't get their, their discount. So there, there it is. Um, so I, I wanted to share with you guys before we get into our conversation, we did have a, a dope individual by the name of 1200 on the uh, podcast that we had a, a, a super uh, dope interview, man. This guy is a, uh, not only is he an artist, he's a composer and activist from Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, we really got into some, some great things that we talked about uh, that you guys are going to definitely enjoy. And, and I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to give you a quick hot take uh, from that interview. Fast few, excuse me, fast food music it'll blow your mind that term is going to blow your mind fast food music so that's that but before i do that i want to kind of share a conversation that i had with a, a homie of mine um, by the name of sean taylor we sat down and, and uh engaged in a conversation man just to talk about some strategies and some different things that we have uh coming up on the horizon but we just really had a great conversation for about two hours man in the middle of starbucks just talking about you know some business ideas and things that we wanted to kind of Uh, get accomplished here and you know some things that came up we was just really having some open dialogue about being in control and and being consistent right and consistency is is solely the key to a lot of things that we're doing there's a lot of people that right now that are hurting uh, because they're not being consistent right they they they're upset um about why they're not in a certain place in their career is a lot of it has to do with just being consistent and consistency is uh, simply put is just doing the same or having a plan and making sure you're you're attacking that plan of action, just doing it on a consistent basis, like over and over and over repetitively and doing it uh, to the point to where people start to, to notice what you're doing. Now that consistency could be something doing it every week. It can be something doing it every day. It can be every month. It can be every year, but you have to stay consistent and run the course. Um, in terms of music, we're living in a society right now where everything is microwave. So people have to continue to see things in order to, to know about it. You know, don't fall victim to that whole uh the like syndrome like hey man nobody's liking my stuff they're not seeing it that's a lie people do see it they just choose not to like it uh for whatever reason Uh, so don't fall victim to that but what you do need to do is make sure that you're being consistent with whatever content that you're putting out so quick example right now um for you guys that don't know i'm also a producer and if you've been listening to this podcast it's unlikely that you don't have that information but if you're new Welcome, number one. Number two, I am a producer. Uh, I go by the name of Last Name Good as uh, as a producer. Uh, but I'm currently in the middle of promoting a project with um, a good buddy of mine by the name of Jay Coop. We have a project called Paid, of, Paid in America, excuse me, Paid in America uh, with three Ks. And you can kind of figure out wh- where we're going with that. But we're being very consistent. So, you know, the, the album is done. Uh, it's been done for quite some time. It's been mixed. It's been mastered. Uh, but instead of just putting it out and working backwards and trying to uh, get you guys to get your attention on it, what we've been doing is just, you know, we have it done. It's, it's in the pipeline. It's ready to go. Uh, what we've been doing is just attacking different ways. So we built a website, built this interactive experience uh, that you guys can go to the website and enjoy the music. Uh, some of the singles, um, enjoy some of the visuals that we have up there. Uh, get the whole show experience that we have uh, going on on, on the road, uh, doing a couple of shows and whatnot. Uh, we've also put out different artwork and, and different merch ideas and things of that nature. But uh, 
In short, we've just been in your face consistently every day since the launch of our campaign. And the launch of the campaign was the uh, inaugural um, in, inauguration uh, of President Trump. Um, it's still wild that we said, but the inauguration of President Trump, January 20th, that was the launch date of our campaign. And so every single day, every day since January 20th, we've done something um, regarding the album every day, whether that's just dropping some artwork, uh, whether we're just uh, putting out some type of visual, uh, putting out snippets of things, showing behind the scenes footage, showing footage of us on the road, um, on our social media, on the website. We've done something every single day. And right now, we uh, at the day that I record this, we're actually recording this on the 15th. You guys will get this tomorrow. I'm recording this Wednesday night, but every day. So you're looking at it. Right now, we're about... What is 20 days? That's 11. So right now we're about 25, 26 days of consistency, right? Every single day, staying on the course and telling you guys about a project that we believe in and what we're doing. And what that does, believe it or not, eventually you're just like, okay, all right, it's in my face so much. I, I might as well check it out. And that's what we're going for. We want you to just check it out. We want you to fall in love with the visuals, fall in love with the music, fall in love with the campaign. But most, um, most of what we're trying to do is make you fall in love with what we're doing. And, and so I, I say all that to say, yes, that was a long commercial for Paid in America. It is available now. Go to paidinamerica.com with three Ks. Pre-order the album. Listen to the singles that's up there. If you like it, pre-order the album. It's only five bucks. That was a commercial for that. I'm not going to lie about that. But the other side of that is just showing you that if you're consistent over and over and do what you need to do you will eventually get to where you need to be now some people will be able to do that and be consistent and get to their end goal in six months some people are going to do that and it's going to take five years some people is going to take 10 years you got to be consistent and make adjustments along the way but if you're not consistent if you're trying to like if you're thinking that you're going to be successful in doing something and you're not doing it every day or not uh, keeping yourself on some type of schedule, then you're, you're not you're not going to be successful with it. Uh, to to simplify that and bring it in terms with everyone can relate to, if you don't go to school every day, and we're talking about high school, you're not going to graduate. Simple as put. If you don't drive to work every day, you're not going to get paid. You're probably going to get fired. You see what I'm saying? That's the consistency. Yeah, you might be doing something you don't want to do, but you have to do it every day or consistency is not going to happen. You have to keep doing it in order to get an end goal. If you want that check from work, you got to keep going to work every day. If you want to lose weight, you got to keep going to the gym and you got to continue to eat right. I just came out the whole 30, lost some weight, a couple of days off the whole 30. Not really eating crazy, but I did have some sweets, and it's just like, oh, man, I gained a pound, gained two pounds. And it's like, that's not that big of a deal, but it's like, hey, I just went 30 days with none of the bad stuff, and now I instantly went back to it. So you got to stay the course and continue to be consistent through all of that if you want to see real results. If not, then keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about it. But if you want to see real results, be consistent. So uh, that was it for that portion of the podcast. I felt like I had to get that out. That was a great conversation that me and Sean had, and I just wanted to regurgitate that to you guys here um, for your listening pleasure. But without further ado, we're going to get into the podcast, uh, our conversation with the homie 1200 um, out of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Super dope. You guys will enjoy it. 
Um, if not, tell us about it. Comment. We want to make sure that we we are engaging with you guys. Feel free to hit us up. I have to sneeze and I'm trying to talk through it and it's not coming out. Uh, but you guys hit us up. We want to talk with you. We want to engage with you. We want to know what's going on. Uh, feel free to subscribe. Please subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. You get where I'm going. We need your help. Please do it. All right. Into the conversation with 1200. Hey, what's going on, people? It's Jay Good at StraightOutTheDen.com. I'd like to welcome you to the Straight Out The Den podcast. Uh, today, um, very special guest here on the line today, man. Um, just reading the bio on, on this guy and just his, his catalog of work and, and the way that he works really is going to make for an intriguing conversation. So I'm, I'm low-key hyped to talk to him today, to be honest with you, man. But um, uh, help me welcome the homie. 1200 to the show how you doing bro doing wonderful how are you hey man i'm good thank you again for uh calling in and, and just being a guest on today's show um so you know i want to start you know get, get this out the way so we don't have to really harper on this uh for too much longer explain 1200 because i have a, a theory um in my mind but I, I would like for you to get your explanation before i even um go any further on that uh, activism, um, elimination of the box that, that creatives put themselves in or people who say things outside of the box. Mm. I represent that box not even existing. I'm really just anything and everything that y you ever wanted to do creatively that you were afraid to do. Okay, that's super dope. That's definitely not where I was going with it, but I'm glad <laughs> I, I'm glad that you, you explained it first because I was going somewhere else completely. I was just thinking producer, um, composer and all that, 1200, uh, DJ and all that. I, I was somewhere else with it. So thank you for, for uh, breaking that down and, and breaking the ice because I was going to be completely wrong in my thinking, man. So, um, but yeah, I, I love that explanation though. you know, the fact that you're saying like, you know, thinking outside the box, do something different you don't have to really be with the norm you know you can go against the grain and, and try it your way and and see where it leads you you know so I definitely uh can somewhat understand where you're coming from with that I think that's something that uh, not just artists but people in general kind of deal with you know stepping outside the box and breaking away from doing uh, what everyone else is you know is, is currently doing so uh 1200 you from Louisville uh Kentucky and um yeah now, there's a couple of things I know about uh, Louisville, and, and I'm not going to um, say Bryson Tiller. I'm not going to go there. Uh, but I had the opportunity to, to be in the city uh, the summer of 2016, man. And I don't know if you've been there before, but the seafood lady, please tell me yeah. you've been in this spot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, look, bro, I'm telling you, it's some of the best seafood I had in my life. We were there. We were just on the road, and uh, we we stopped by there, and I think she opened up at like 11 o'clock, and we were the, some of the first people in line and completely forgot about it. We haven't had any breakfast, bro. We went right to, to eating seafood place. So uh, shout out to the seafood lady. She chef definitely showed a lot of hospitality while we were up there, but, but I love that spot. Like, that's, that's what I look forward to when I go to, to uh, Louisville. <laughs> That's, yeah, Louisville has a culinary scene that's becoming global, so that's awesome you, you came and experienced that. Right, right. So, um, okay, so you started out, and, and you know, I'm just looking at this thing because I'm kind of amped to, to talk with, um, you know, when you read bios, you typically you'll see, you know, artist, producer, right? That That's about as far as that it'll go. Maybe you even see, like, songwriter. But, you know, reading mm -hmm. your stuff, man, I'm, I'm saying, like, you know, 
award-winning, you know, educator, composer, you know, performer, activist. Like, I'm kind of stuck on the composer, man, because that's a word that I can't really take lightly. You know, composer says a whole lot about your journey in music, man. So kind of break that down for our audience, like being a composer of music and and what it really took for you to uh, start your journey there and, and to be where you're at now. Yeah, a lot of people think of the word composition or composer and they immediately relate it to classical music, which, of course, I am a classical musician, but a lot of hip-hop artists don't realize if you're making a beat, right? like if I'm Young Metro and I just cooked up a beat, that's composition. You right, just compose right. something. That's your symphony. So a lot of people downplay themselves and don't realize you are this, this great thing called composition. So my bio says composer not only because, you know, I, I might chop a beat up, but also because it might be something that's performed by an orchestra. I might be performing with the orchestra. So it has that, that double-edged sword to it, for me at least. Right, right. Man, I, I mean, I find it so, like, just fascinating. Um, I mean, you what you said, you, you, you definitely brought up a good point. And uh, I don't want to, like, run across that, but the one part that, that I particularly uh, kind of sparked my interest really is just where where I come from, right, you know, you had fine arts, and, and of course now things have kind of changed, and, and the fine arts are not really prominent in, you know, regular uh, public schools as much as they used to be. And yeah. the fact that you took a liking to composition and, and, and working with uh, those fine arts in, in that way says a lot about you and, and your music and your direction of your music, man, and, and that's the part that I just can't really move away from, you know, the fact that you, you've been down that road um, and, and continue to stay down that road with your music. Now, how, how has that really helped shape your sound and, and the things that you're able to do uh, creatively? I think more than anything, it's a matter of caring a little bit differently, a little bit more, mm-hmm. putting your heart into something. A lot of rappers brag about either like not writing lyrics or they just go in the studio and, you know, freestyling whatever comes out with whatever comes out, but they don't realize, you know, that's like fast food music. Mm. And if you compare fast food music to like some, some fine dining, you know, there really is no comparison. So if you're going in the studio and just freestyling and you're going in the studio and just laying down whatever, because you think oh, that's how I feel and, and that's what it is. You just gave your audience something that they can get on any corner. They can get at McDonald's. Man. So I would rather really finesse something and work as hard as I possibly can on it, whether it takes a day, an hour, or a year, a decade. It doesn't really matter. I just want it to be the best possible product that it can be before it it goes into someone's ears. Bro, you you just blew my mind just then. I'm just gonna keep it all the way above. Which is like <laughs> fast food music. I've you know. I just I don't think I've heard it expressed that way, and it's kind of like I I understand what you're talking about, right? Like it, it's not a, a a far out theory, but to hear it expressed and broke down that simple, to you know, it's fast food music. Like you go through the drive through, you get it, and you're gone. You're not you're not worrying about the time. You're just really just trying to get a meal. You're just trying to consume that that hunger feeling that you have, but. You know, when you when you really take the time to prep a meal and, you know, go and get the right ingredients and take the time to cook it, and then not only that, take the time to enjoy it and eat it and move slow and don't try to gobble it down real quick, it, it it's a difference. It's a huge exactly. difference. Man, dude, you blew my mind. I'm sorry, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, definitely, man. So, um, 
I kind of see, you know, the direction of, of where we're going here, man. And, um, you know, your your love with, with hip hop and all of that. I'm interested to see, like, growing up um, in, in Kentucky, I don't know if, and I, I may be ignorant to the fact, but how was the, the, the scene for you growing up hip hop wise? Like, I know Nappy Roots, a couple of the members from Nappy Roots was from there. Uh, so I don't know, was that kind of around or what, what did you have really to kind of hold on to being from Louisville and, and being influenced in hip hop? Muhammad Ali, he was a poet of all poets. Right, right. And I didn't even realize he was from Louisville until like early teens when my mind was blown because I looked at him like a superhero. Wow. And then to realize he's from the same community, the same hood that I'm from. That that sparked more inspiration than anything that I had ever came into contact with, or anything that ever came into my brain. So uh, we have a lot of wonderful, talented musicians, rappers, hip hop artists all over Louisville. But when I was younger, I didn't hear anything about them. I knew about Ali, and I knew about the National Cats. You know, the National Acts that everybody wanted to be like and listen to. So right. I think a while ago as well, like people weren't as proud as the local music scene here. Nowadays, everyone's repping it and so proud of it, but you think like a decade ago, mm -hmm. people were going out to shows and, and buying albums and saying that they were listening to somebody local and really supporting their people. But uh, Louisville's definitely changing to where people aren't afraid to support something before it becomes national. All right, right. Yeah, you're right, though, man. It's, it's um, I'm, I'm from a small city myself, right, Macon, Georgia, but the thing is we're only an hour away from Atlanta, so it was kind of easy to identify being only an hour away, you know what I mean? So we kind of, anything mm -hmm. that was in the South, we kind of felt it. And, you know, we also liked a lot of the, you know, Houston stuff and, and Memphis and, of course, No Limit and all that had great influences on, on what we had growing up. But to hear you say that, like, you know, it wasn't really a huge support um, of the indie scene, uh, you know, for the artists. And, and, and Muhammad Ali, you're right, like, it's, it's right down the, the pink house. I went and visited when I was there to know that, that much greatness was like right around the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can see how that can, can be a huge motivator. Um, you have a, a project and, and it's, it's a dual album, conceptual album, Seance and Spirit, right? And yeah, for me, I'm, I'm very big on, on words and, and visuals, right? And so when I, when I hear a title, like uh, seance and spirit, right? You know, there's all types of things that really comes to mind, of course. Uh, and, and then, you, you know, they, I, I'm reading here, it's, it's, you know, you're channeling heaven and hell on, on the project. Uh, but first, before we really break down the science on the project, what was really the, the motivation to, to do a dual album, a conceptual dual album, considering being in a society now where music is such you know, it's so microwave, it's so fast food, fast food music, uh, to give your your audience to like a dual project. Like what was the thought process behind that? And what was the motivation to think that, you know, you would be able to get your point across having that many, you know, songs? I'm a, I'm a minimalist. So I think like the absolute smallest amount of anything that you could put in to get the same product, same end goal is, is is vital mm -hmm. and I had a lot more songs than the 24 that are actually on the projects and that's just that's just how it came out you know I always talk about how I'm a vessel and, and I don't really write my music it just writes itself and some higher being does it for me so after everything was all said and done that was 
That was the project I ended up with. Some songs are like seven minutes long. Some are just 40 seconds long. Some don't even have my voice on them. Some I'm playing an instrument. Some you don't even think it's me. So I really just wanted to put together the best possible example of who I am and what I represent and also share different perspectives of different people that I've met that I want to meet, that kind of thing. Right, right. That's... um. I get it. I get it. And, and, and the whole minimalist, um, minimalist theory, excuse me. Uh, I understand that as well. Uh, for you, so let's 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 dive into to each one, right? So we'll we'll take the first half seance. Um, now, for me, man, growing up in the Bible Belt, like you, anybody say seance, it, it immediately kind of puts you on guard. You're kind of thinking, like, man, hold on, what what are we getting into right now, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, so for somebody who might be have that that train of thought, man, like you know, clear clear that up for us, like seance. What what is this first half of the album really talking about? In your you know, in your opinion, internal struggle. What it's like to to be at the lowest point in your life. What it's like to question a higher power, what it's like to, to really go through the depths of hell. So it starts out really human-like, but then the character, the person, me, the rapper, you know, whatever you want to call that, that main narrator, they get possessed and they go through all these different forms and perspectives. And then they come out at the end and, you know, everything's all right. So I really just wanted to dive deep and, and go through what it's like to be a human walking in this, this hell on earth, that kind of thing. Right, right. And, and I'm assuming throughout this whole process, you're kind of doing a lot of questioning of like, um, I guess, like your life, your 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 um, maybe your values or um, whether or not you're you're choosing the right path. And I'm safe to assume that a lot of that is going on throughout the music as well. Yeah, that kind of that thing. And also just research. One of the songs I talk about, I talk about Dylan Roof. Right, right. And just being able to put myself in in the perspective of not only Dylan Roof himself, but also the people that were in that church, the people who were murdered and the people who witnessed the people get murdered, and then also the media that surrounded that. So I wanted to provide as much perspective as possible throughout the whole project. Right. Now, I was going to, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because that was one of the uh, things that I wanted to ask about, like being in that type of space, because that's one of those things where, when it happened, right? Like, we, I'm just going to be as transparent as I possibly can right now. When it happened, your first immediate thought is like, man, how can this dude come up here and, and do something like that? It's like, it's demonic. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's like, it's lunatic. Like, what is this guy thinking by coming up in the church and just shooting up the whole church? And then most of the time, what most people initial reaction is never to think about what he was going through. Right. We're only mm -hmm. looking at the outcome, the, the, the immediate um, the action of, of what happened. And so all we see is a guy walk into church and kill, you know, plenty of people in the church. All right. That's all we see. Yeah. But we don't really question what was going through his mind. Like, you know, is it is he just crazy or is it did something happen? What triggered that that action? And so uh, to have a song like that, I'm glad you brought that up to just really, you know, just like, hey, let's explore what's really going on right now, you know, as opposed to kind of jumping um, into a conclusion. Um, another song, man, that I, I really, um, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm really big on, on words. Right. And so when I see something like skeletons and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, of course, you know, the, the initial thing, skeletons in the closet, things that you're dealing with your past and stuff like that. But, you know, you, I noticed that you sandwiched that song, skeletons in between like problem and then slumber and 
I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm big on these words, man. And just the, the way that the titles are, are, are there, it's just, it's just interesting to me, like the, the, the choice. And I don't know, I might be reading too deep into things, but man, like how much of your song selection and, and where you wanted things placed kind of played in the part of you telling the story um, of Seance, particularly on the first half of the project? The order of the scenes make make the movie, right? right so, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every everything is is in a very specific order. Seance um, skeletons on Seance actually used to be a, a longer song with verses, right? Right. But um, I took some of those verses out and I actually wrote that song in Atlanta. Oh, what? A very okay. long time ago. Yeah. So, like the third verse, I was talking about being on um, I think it's Peach Street. I was, like eating sushi on Peach Street and like it went through all these different ideas of what it meant to have skeletons in the closet. Mm-hmm. But I ended up just taking it out and using my homie's poem at the end because I feel like his his little 30-second or so poem was was a nice summary and a little bit more powerful than, than me delivering it in three verses. So I just, I just used what he had to say. Right. So, you know, like I told you earlier, bro, like uh, this podcast, we, we do try to give as much advice as possible. And that's why I really like... Um, talking with indie artists because they're in that same space right you know it's one thing to get information from someone that's on a major label that may not be dealing with some of the same things that you're dealing with right now right you know it might be hard to kind of you know see but if somebody's on a level playing field with you it's a little bit easier to hear and one thing that you said that really stuck out to me just then was like you know, you wrote three verses, right? You had these verses, and, and as a writer, uh, sometimes you want to make sure that you, you have a lot to say. You want to get all of that stuff across, but you knew that it was important for you to, like, you know what, to make this song better, sometimes I have to cut away, uh, even even if I think that it's great. You know, I have to cut some things away and put other things in place. Was that a real challenge for you to, like, really get rid of, your, like, your third verse and your second verse and, like, and, and replace it with a poem? Or is it something that you just felt was, you know, for the betterment of the song? Like, what was that a real hard decision for you? Nah, you know, we're all our own biggest critics, so I don't mind cutting anything. It might be a verse. It might be a, a xylophone part that I played on something. I mean, I, I like dumping all the puzzle pieces out or, mm-hmm. like, the Lego pieces because I'm, like, a huge Lego fan. I like dumping all the pieces out and seeing all the possibilities, and then I get rid of whatever I don't need. So it's it's never a hard decision for me, but I would definitely recommend for a lot of artists to not be afraid to try your tracks through different avenues, look at it a different way, piece it together differently. Don't think of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know, whatever. Try a different form of music because it exists. Music is unlimited. Right. For for this project, man, like I'm, I, I'm looking at the credits, right? And, and I just noticed like in parentheses, like you have certain dates and, um, I think the earliest that I see was what back 2014, no, 2012 is uh, I'm assuming these are the dates of when you actually recorded um, each individual song. Right. Um, how it's sometimes it's, it's kind of hard for me to understand, man, being able to hold on to music for so long. Like we're looking at 2012, it's 2017. Now that's five years to hold on to a record. Um, a part of me understands it as, as a creative, but the other side of me is just kind of like, man, like as a fan, we want to hear the music and, and for, you know, to see that you can hold on to something and cherish it for so long. First off, why 
did you hold on to to uh, some of your music for so long to wait to put it out? And the other thing is, um, is that really something that crosses your mind, like being very selective on what what you're putting out to your audience? Um, absolutely. I have two answers to that question. Um, one of one of the tracks was actually like written in '08, oh, so wow. not not necessarily all of them were recorded in those years, but they were written, written. or produced okay. in those years. Gotcha, gotcha. So I hold on to music because when I first started composing it, I was just shy. I didn't want to put it out. I didn't want to release it. I didn't think. I have three answers. My bad, I have three answers. No, hey, so hey go for it, bro. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to let it go. I, I felt like, you know, my friends were gassing me up, and it, and it wasn't something I was so proud of. You know, it's, it was just scary to me. I wasn't always very proud of it. My second answer is when you have a certain perspective on something at that moment in time, it is so interesting to come back to it later, like a time capsule. Mm. So, you know, you're in in grade school, you write yourself a note, and then you you hide that note, and you say you can't open it until you're about to graduate and go to, you know, college or you're about to leave high school. To open that up and look back at what your freshman self thought or your eighth grade self thought it, it it really just builds on whatever you're thinking at that moment in time. You might learn something from your eighth grade, you know, freshman self. So I did it for that. And then also because in 08 and 2012, I didn't have the audience that I have right now. And I knew that I wanted to deliver a certain message to a certain amount of people. And I didn't want that to just kind of fade away and become irrelevant in 2012. I wanted to wait. Just like in 2014, I wrote that Flame track about mm-hmm. all the people who were murdered by cops. And I actually released it, and then I took it down because I wanted to wait. I wanted to wait until Trump was in office. I wanted to wait to see what he did about some of the violence that was happening with law enforcement. I wanted to present it to people at this moment in time. So I felt like it needed to wait. So, bro, I'm I'm taking notes as you talk, right? Just for, for one, on a personal level, because the whole time council thing is, is something that is just genius in itself. Um one thing, I, I, I interviewed an artist uh, by the name of Lloyd Musa a couple of years ago, right? And uh, during our conversation, we talked about uh, interviewing family, right? And, and he, he challenged me to go and interview my, my grandparents and my mom and dad and just really interview them and just, you know, get history, legacy, and, and talk about mm-hmm. all those different things. And, and you know, uh, that's a journey that I've been on. I've had a chance to interview uh, my both of my grandparents and... Um, just really on, on that journey of finding out, you know, just history, because what typically happens, you know, your family members die and then it's all of just trying to trace back what happened and nobody really has, you know, the proper uh, dialogue to really trace anything back. You know what I mean? Because everybody's pretty much gone. So uh, yeah. I have these conversations, two and three hour conversations with my grandparents that I just have catalog. And when you said time capsule, that, that kind of brought me back to that point of, uh, you know, writing yourself a note. And I can only imagine reading what an eight, you know, an eight-year-old or or even me in the eighth grade, what I was thinking about at the time uh, and where I am now. So uh, that's just something that kind of stuck with me. I wrote that down. Uh, so right now, you, you got me on two for two, man, fast food, music, and you got me on, like, time capsules and just thinking about patience. You know, music, it, it, it is all about being patient with your music. And, and for you... Being being someone who I can tell just from talking with you in this brief period of time, man, like you somebody you're you're a very uh 
a visionary. You know what I mean? Like you're somebody that you absolutely know exactly what you want to do and you know how you want to get that point across. Kind of shifting gears to to the uh, second part of the album, Spirits. Um, you started off fly, reincarnation, man. Like, kind of walk us through through the the thought process uh, with this half of the album, man, and, and the message that you were trying to get across here uh, on, on Spirits. So, just in those two tracks alone, it's like um, fly was written on an airplane. So I wrote that. You know, and I'm, I'm afraid of flying. And I, you know, I haven't flown that much, but I'm afraid of flying. So I wrote Fly on an Airplane to almost have this, like, braggadocio feeling of, like, you know what? I'm on a plane, and I'm going to die. Like, let's do it. Let's go. I'm going to go out with a bang. So <clears throat> the whole purpose of it is to, to symbolize me elevating to heaven, mm. not only literally in the plane, but also figuratively, like, my spirit is going up to heaven. Right, right. And... At the end of that track, you know, after the crash, after I'm dead, the reincarnation bit, you like you hear flames behind me playing the marimba. That's supposed to represent, you know, my my soul being reincarnated, and I go back to my childhood and narcolepsy. So mm-hmm. that those those first three tracks are all building on this character, you know, development in terms of me dying, me coming back to life, and then I'm a child again playing with my Legos in my room. Hey man, that's the second time on this interview you mentioned Legos. Now you got to go to Legoland uh, next time you're in Atlanta. I think you would enjoy it. I, I really think you're a fan of Legos. That, I, we don't get that that many times on the interview. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, man. But on on a more serious note, like hearing you explain that 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 really makes a lot of sense. Just to like die and and come back, and now you're you're your younger self, and just only you know just to hypothetically you know just think about these things if if. It's like going back in time, knowing everything that you know now, right? And of course, mm-hmm. that, that's that old saying, like, you know, if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, you know, you'll do things differently and all of that. With that same saying in mind, like, what would you do differently as, not just as a, as an artist and a, and a composer, but as a person in general? Save money. <laughs> amen, I had amen. No, uh, no education of really like how to properly save and respect money. You know, I was right. I was in like the fourth grade giving money out to chicks, thinking I was cool. You know uh, what I mean? So like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would, I would go back and definitely respect money and look at it differently. Right, right. M- money is that thing, man. I, I, I'm I'm right there with you, bro. Just to have a conversation I, I just know for me like growing up in my household like we never talked about money like it just it didn't happen we didn't have those conversations and you're absolutely right bro if like if i just knew to put away you know for every every ten dollars man just put away you know two something as simple as that you know just to see what it would have made a huge difference uh now especially in, in an independent scene where you're you know you're funding a lot of things on your own so um you're absolutely right with that. Um, I kind of feel like, man, I want to shift gears just a little bit um, and, and ask you some some more um, questions regarding like the indie scene um, and how you're able to sustain um, as an indie artist, um, especially being from a market that's right now. Like I said, truth be told, you guys are at this point really known well for Muhammad Ali and most recently, you know, Bryson Tiller. Um, mm-hmm. How as an indie artist, are you able to, to, to really stay afloat and continue to um, put out your high-quality music at that? Um, 
and and continue to follow the dreams that you have? Me personally, musically, artistically, it's very important to approach every single performance because performance is mostly where like income revenue is, you know, right, right. comes from. It's important to approach every single one like a brand new painting. So if you go to a gallery and you're going to see an artist, whether it's like a, a live live situation or you're just going to see some some paintings that they created, some photos that they have, if you go to the gallery and they have the same photos, the same painting every single time, right. you're going to stop doing, you're going to stop caring as much. Right, so right. when I have a seven and you see me playing and it's just me, a DJ, somebody might be playing guitar, keyboards, some singers, whatever, the next time you see me, I promise you, it will be a very different situation. Mm. Whether I'm playing a different instrument or the visuals are different, the lights are different, there's an orchestra on, st on stage, there's some dancers, like whatever the case may be, I just want to present a new gallery every time someone goes out of their way to come and experience my art. Man, that that's... um. That's some solid advice. First off, if you're listening to that and you didn't catch that, uh, I know you may not be at a point where you can do a symphony, but because uh, <laughs> that's that's super dope, dude. Like that's super dope that you you can perform uh, back with a symphony. I, I mean, that's the only other person that I've heard do do that was Nas. So that's that's super dope that that you're able to accomplish that. But but on a on a lower level uh, for artists that that are listening to this right now. What that essentially means is switch up your set, especially yeah. if you're going to the same place. If you're not, now, if you're going, if you're on tour and, you know, you're going from city to city, that's cool. You can do this. You can be consistent and do the same set. And, you know, of course, you can you can um, improve on your set as you go along. But, man, if you're coming back to the same city in two months and you know that you're going to have some of those same people come to your show because they like you please give them something different, whether it's a new song or, you know, change the order, you know, have somebody playing drums this time, do something. You got to do something to shake it up. Uh, so people don't feel like they're coming saying the same exact show, because I can almost guarantee if they see you twice and you're doing the exact same thing, they're probably not going to want to see you a third time. That's just something. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. yeah, man. But I, I think before, before we get off this, I, I do want to ask you about that symphony managers uh, performing, uh, your music for for one right if if i'm new to you if i've never heard your music a day in my life and the first time i see you um it's either live and you're, you're backed by a symphony or i'm watching a visual and you're backed by a symphony i'm gonna say first off who is this guy uh number two how <laughs> was he able to accomplish that and number three who does that you know what i mean that's that's not normal i, I can't sit here and, and act like that's that's something that everyone is going to be able to do, and that's that's a normal thing. So I'm sure having that background and composition uh, makes that transition a little bit easier for you, man. But where did the idea really come from to just say, like, hey, I want to perform, and I want a symphony behind me? I don't know how many pieces, man, but uh, just to have that alone, I don't care if it's just, you know, 10 or 12 pieces, like to have a symphony behind you, some some strings and, and something that's just not drums, bass, and keys behind you is dope. You know what I mean? That's dope. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, of course it comes from, from being a classical musician. I was playing with orchestras way before I rap with them, but I was playing percussion. Mm -hmm. I was a percussionist. So it definitely stemmed from that. 
But uh, really two things. One, the first time that I worked with classical musicians in a hip-hop setting, in a hip-hop show, every other hip-hop act either had their DJ with them or they had a live band, which, you know, they, some of them had horns, some of them just had, you know, the keys, the bass, the drums, that kind of thing. I wanted to throw a wrench in the whole event. So I brought out I brought out a choir and I brought out a string section. And it it worked in terms of just making sure that I could capture someone's attention in a different way. Mm-hmm. Because after a while, a lot of people don't realize this, but musically it just becomes mundane. You know, if you have a band on stage and you play 30 minutes, sometimes even less than that, unless your band is like, crazy talented and they can play all sorts of different instruments it's going to start to sound all the same everything will sound the same right and right. the set just loses loses that attention span of people right. so when you have a choir a string section and people playing instruments and a dj you can do anything and everything and keep people's attention the entire time and then also just a matter of me pushing back on not only the classical musicians that didn't like hip-hop but the hip-hop musicians that, that didn't like classical music. Because when I first started making classical music and studying it, a lot of hip-hop artists weren't with it. Just like when I got to the music school in Louisville, you know, and I'm studying music in college to be a music teacher, they didn't appreciate the art of hip-hop. So both sides, I didn't fit in with either or side. So I put them together just to show them, like, look what we can do. We can do something bigger and better than either one of you ever imagined. Man, that's... That's mind blowing, bro. I'm I'm just keep it all the way above with you. That that is to be able to pull your resources like that, that that's another gem for listeners too, man. Just think about that. Like no use what's around you, number one. Like yeah. wherever you are, you have a friend of a friend or you have some type of resources that you may not be stretching your arms out and using. Use what's around you and, and, and build on, on that. But just to hear that, man, too, uh, I, me personally, I want to experience the live show. Like, I want to come and see you perform live just to see that. I think um, that's just a visual that will forever stain in your head. And that's something that no one who watches that will ever forget. There's no way that I can forget you performing, you know, in front of, of a symphony, dude. Like, I can't forget that even if I wanted to. <laughs> you know, it's crazy to to think about like the first time I did it this orchestra was playing music that you know me and my homie produced in our in our bedroom in a dorm room somewhere yeah so yeah. to just take this, this you know this little beat that we made and put it in an entire orchestra it was a, a feeling that I'll never be able to forget it was like a child you know being being brought into this earth it was insane right so let me ask you about that process so what did you have to um score the music yourself and then hand that to them? How, how did that go, that process uh, from going from music from your bedroom, the music that you produced, to getting it to them for them to learn how to play it? Most of my choir and, and orchestra arrangements, I do score and arrange myself. Mm-hmm. If, if I don't have the time, then I, I hire someone because it takes a very long time to actually notate the music, especially for an entire symphony orchestra. So, yeah, if I don't have the time, I just hire someone. But, you know, if the time is there, I sit down and do it. I performed at Forecastle Festival, mm-hmm. and I had a choir with me, and I actually notated and arranged all of their music wow. for that for that festival. And it took a while, but, yeah, it's it's fun, though, because you can take you can take a track that sounded a certain way and completely just bring new life to it. Right, right. Through, through 
other instruments through other voices. So it, it's lots of fun. And I definitely encourage other artists to do that when you perform. Rearrange your music for different voices, different instruments to just add a new flavor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. Like one thing that I, um, who did I, man, I forgot. I saw somebody perform and I, I kid you not, man, it used to be a huge pet peeve of mine. Like when I would go to a show and particularly for like R&B, right? So if I was to go to an R&B show and you didn't sound like how you sounded on record, it would kind of like crush my spirits a little bit. And uh-huh. what I had to learn and, and really get out of it, it was was like, hey, they're giving me a, a different experience. It's like, hey, you can go and sit in the car and listen to the album, and I can sound exactly like I sound on the album. But when you come to my live show, I wanna I wanna do some different things. I wanna remix some things and you know rearrange some things and sing stuff slightly different than what I how I sung it on the album. And so I had to learn, me personally, I had to learn to appreciate that because I used to frown upon it like, man, like you don't sound like, you know. Now, there, don't get me wrong, there is like a thin line of not sounding like and completely sounding horrible. I'm not talking about sounding horrible. It's more like just, you know, yeah. it's not the record that I learned. You know, I'm here. I can't sing along. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know that version that you're singing. So, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Sometimes it's hard to find that happy medium of how much should I change it versus this is what people know, so I should right. stick to it. But a lot of times... I don't perform with like a live drummer mm-hmm. because one, I'm a drummer myself. So if there's a drummer, it's going to be me. But <laughs> two, um, you know, we work so hard on production in the studio, hours and hours and hours to get drums right, to get the track sound in a certain way. So why should you have the same snare drum, the same bass drum, the same cymbals on every single song? Right, right. So you got to find a happy medium in terms of changing it up. But I, I definitely think artists should just experiment and and see what you like the most, see what people react to the most. Absolutely, man. So look, bro, I, I do greatly appreciate having this conversation with you, man. Like, you are a very inspiring individual. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that, but just having a conversation with you talking about music is very inspiring. And um, Thank you. No, no no doubt, bro. Like, for real, I, I have some work to do. I definitely have some work to do just just off of our conversation. But uh, before we get out of here, man, what is it that you want to leave with the people, man? You, this is your platform. You can tell them anything, talk to them, anything you want to say. Uh, here's the time to do so now. Check out Seance and Spirit. Just released early this year, 1200LLC.com. And if anyone has any questions, wants some advice, whatever, wants to collaborate, contact me through that website as well, 1200LLC.com. All right, that's a bet, bro. Look, bro, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you for calling in. Uh, we definitely going to support this album, and um, hopefully after people hear this, they're going to support it, too. I think they will. It's just just off of uh, the advice that you're giving alone. I think it's going to be super dope for everybody else to take a listen to. So, hey, man, like always, if you have a dream, pray on that dream, research that dream, and work until that dream becomes a reality. I'm Jay Good, straight out the den. He's 1,200. We out. Peace.